0: Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens.
1: Welcome, one and all, to Tennis Bets. It's Wimbledon time, day one action. We're ready to go here. We're on the tennis Facebook, tennis bets, Twitter, and the tennis channel. YouTube, Mitch Michaels hosting the show with our incredible guest guest network, our roundtable of gambling experts, uh, starting first with uh, returning from a European honeymoon delight, Zachary Zico Cohen. Welcome back. He's our tennis gambling writer. We've also got Kenny Ducey from covers from the Action Network, his Patreon. A, I heard him on a very popular tennis podcast last week as well. And uh, Pamela Maldonado back, uh, the Yahoo Sportsbook expert, who's had uh, had quite a fun time. We'll see if her voice still works on this show as well, but uh, a lot to discuss this week. It's day one of Wimbledon, and uh, Zico, haven't heard from you in a while, so we'll get the ball rolling here. How exciting is the early morning action? We wake up here on the West Coast, and we've already got half the day already gone with some action, some bets. What's captivated you with the first day of the Wimbledon Championships?
2: Yeah, I love it. Except that if I wake up at like five, I've still missed a ton of matches already. But uh, I woke up to you know, a, bad, a bad loss at Storm Hunter. So it hasn't been off to a, a great start so far. But I did have Casper Ruud as a quarter uh, to win his quarter again after the French Open. So I'm happy to see that he won in four sets. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was, yeah. I mean, Storm was a was a play. I mean, hey, there's so many matches. It's like, and I'm not even the biggest superhero fan, but it's like one of those Avengers, you know, Captain America movies where they're just fighting. They're playing everywhere. It's really hard to keep up on everything that's going on. Uh, Pam, as we look towards it, I mean, I know round one might not always have the excitement that round two and round three have, but there's always going to be value. And I think that's the key when you have 64 matches in a draw taking place, you know, over the, pay, over the course of two days. You're gonna to have to find value, and you're gonna to have to look for players that you trust, and maybe players that you don't.
3: Early on, I, I mean, in best of five tournaments, regardless of what major it is, what surface, I'm always looking for like money line parlays. I don't really want to mess with spreads, game spreads, set spreads. Not early on. I want to look at just who's gonna win, and then maybe deeper in the tournament as it as it progresses, then I start looking at is there any tie break opportunities? Is there best of? Um, could this go a full five and set spreads stuff like that? Early on, just win.
1: Mm, yeah, and it's it's hard to do, you know, it's hard to get consistency early on. You got to find your footing, even the very best Novak Djokovic winning and going to a tie break in set three there. Uh, Kenny, we've already had one set, uh, two sets of love come back. Unfortunately, it was Nakashima losing, which I know stings a little bit, but the good news is there's two weeks to make it back up and kind of build back up, but I don't think it'll be the last. And I think on the men's side, we're starting to see some unpredictability play out. We're also starting to see some lines that maybe in your mind don't make sense.
4: Yeah, I think you're, I think you're uh, trying to get me going, trying to trigger me about this Bernabe Zapata Morales, Tomas, Echeverri match. But I, I do agree. I mean, I think that there's, especially with the surface, we talked last week about how not a lot, of, there's a lot of players that just have not played a lot of matches on grass. So there are a lot of opportunities early with odds makers, essentially just guessing, right? I mean, you could have a guy like Francisco Sarundolo where especially last year he didn't play a lot on grass but in theory huge forehands his losses were not like bad losses he had a lot of three set losses to good players so you have a lot of speculation and you're just kind of trying to figure out okay well what players are uh you know maybe better than the odds indicate or or worse and so i definitely think that this match uh, that i'm trying to follow in the corner of my eye here is one where you know vervin versus morales has played 14 matches on grassy 7 and 7 and his opponent, Tomas Martin Acheverry, has played uh, five matches on grass in his career. And this is a guy in Acheverry who's played about 400 matches across all levels on clay and just about 65 or 64 not on clay in his life. So like, that's an example where how can you make a guy minus 175, especially when he has he has a, a, a nice forehand, but I don't think any guy has a discernible weapon here uh, that, that would really make them a giant favorite. So trying to identify little bit of value and remember you always have to remember too. value is just all subjective right like if you would make a line if I would make this a pick em, which I would and you have a guy that's plus 145 or I got him plus 195 before the match that is value right value is there's a discernible difference between what the line is and what your line is so that's always something I'm looking at
1: one of the things that's great about having a major, but also the time we're doing this show, is the live element. We haven't really had the chance to really dive into it. And In Zico, there's a couple matches, a couple seeds that are actually losing right now on both the men's and the women's side. That there is an opportunity there. So when we're talking through there, and you can kind of take us through the strategy when when you go into this mode, a top player, maybe someone you bet on pre-match, or or maybe someone you were waiting for this opportunity to arise. Where are you at with players like Felix, like Coco? like maybe even Alexander Bublik that are trailing early in their matches or in Felix's case late, where are you with the live elements of trying to find value and when to strike?
2: Yeah, I generally would like to take someone that goes down that I had before the match. I just don't think that with Bublik, especially, I don't know if I trust him because I feel like he's the type of player that wants to start spiraling. It, it really goes south. But well, I, I actually also agree. Like, I think that in Kenny's case, if, uh, you know, if Echeverry wins that first set, there's going to be a really good price there on the live market which he may not.
1: looks like Bernabe is
2: making a stand here.
1: (laughs) He might be. Uh, Pam, we got someone like Felix who's, as I'm looking at it right now, about plus 230. They're on serve in the fourth set. He's two games away from losing, but still on serve, and we know what would happen if he won that fourth set, how the markets would switch. So any thoughts for Felix, or is this just a complete stay away? He hasn't been in the best form, but still holding serve in that set.
3: So a lot of people, I think the problem with sports bettors is they're like, Felix should win this match. Yeah, sure, he should, but we don't know if he actually will because somebody like Felix Asgerlisim has been out of form for many, many months now. We didn't see him perform well early in the year. He did poorly on clay, rightfully slow. First couple of matches on grass, like he just has not been in rhythm. Something's off with him, whether it's his mental, whether there's an injury, whether it's whatever it is. So for me, I always talk about being a conservative sports better just because Felix Auger is the better player Just Mm -hmm. because he's a top seed doesn't mean he's going to come out and win the match. So unless you're getting like mega value at like maybe plus four, like four to one, five to one, it's a stay away for me. There's a lot of tennis left to be played. We're in day one. Yeah. (laughs) Let's find value where you can find value.
1: That's great advice. I would also say playing someone like Michael Moe and watching some of this match, he goes big. He doesn't really you know, play timid out there, which mm-hmm. can hurt him at times, but that's something that would scare you if you're just going to take the Felix should win this match approach. Uh, I would yeah. be maybe, maybe if it's like insert, maybe if it's crazy odds when he's down a mini break or two in a tie break, maybe then you just throw a little bit on it. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's a weird one. And in Bubik's case, look, Kenny, we, we know this is who he is, right? Like he'll win a tournament one week and he might not show up the next.
4: Yeah, well, I, I also think with Bublik, there's a there's a really just a it, – it reminds me a lot of Kyrgios back in the day where, you know, people have this public perception of him uh, where it's like, okay, well, he's just not going to care. Like, that's just – he has proven – and Bernadette Zapata-Morales, by the way, uh, five straight – point or four straight points to take the first set tiebreak, so uh, you uh-huh. can uh, suck it at the sketch betters uh, But, no, I do think that um, – <laughs> Yeah, this is this is a guy that always shows up to the Grand Slams consistently. U.S. Open especially, uh, and you know the French Open maybe not so much because he's not a, really a clay court player. But grass is his best surface, arguably. This is where he announced his presence to the world in Newport mm-hmm. years ago. He's very good on this surface, especially because he has the devastating serve. Uh, and you know this is. This is a guy that again does not the, the odds makers are still not trusting him. You yeah. see, some books don't even offer bublic lines for his matches, which is just crazy. Uh, they just won't even let you bet on him because he's so right. volatile. But yeah, I mean, this is uh, I think this is a, a great spot for him and Mackie McDonald in the same vein as Michael Moe. Tough player to play on grass just because of the fact that he hits off a, a flat ball, but there are less variables on grass. I think that's always something to remember too. Like with Felix. He gets to that third set tie break and he just started playing very timid. You know, he was trying to play conservative, not make errors because he knows himself. And mm-hmm. I think that's sort of a, a that's mm-hmm. a, its own little, you know, plot, right? Because I think the, the larger match as a whole, like trying to get a break against Michael Mo, he can get, he needs to get more aggressive because that's when he's been really good. Um, mm-hmm. And grass is also a surface where form is sort of almost out the window. I mean, in, in certain yep. cases, you look at a Yannick a, a Nicola Jari, guys in guys who are playing red hot tennis. Yeah, like positive form, I think, is certainly good to read into. But there are plenty of guys that can just step on the surface and immediately mm-hmm. uh, it comes back to them just because, again, it's a faster game. There's fewer shots played. There's fewer variables with the bounces. And the, the more powerful player, the player with the better weapons, normally will win. So this, yeah. that sort of makes this Felix match a little different then, uh, then another, and honestly, frankly, with Jordan Thompson coming back from two Oh down as well, like similar situation where he's just so good on grass. Cause he slices the ball. He has a, he has a pretty accurate serve. Uh, that's, that's why he was able to come back. But yeah, I, I would say those, those are, those are my thoughts on those early matches, but I still think Bublik has a chance to win this match. If he didn't already break, well, I think he will pretty soon. Well,
3: let me go ahead and offer another piece of advice that um, people don't really talk about too often. Just because a player is down as it, he starts at the pre-turn and pre-match, he starts out as a favorite, loses the first set, maybe even loses the second set. Automatically people jump straight into, I'm going to bet him outright to win. There are so many opportunities that you can do elsewhere. So like starting with, okay, he's going to, he lost the first set. I will bet Bublik now to win the second set. Mm-hmm. You're kind of thinking of it as a ladder perspective instead of going, well, now he's potentially could end up in a five set match here and the odds are going to like fluctuate in between Kind yeah. of take the ladder of him to win the second, maybe him to win the third and then maybe sprinkle. Is it going to be less value? Yep. Yes. But you're kind of protecting your bankroll in it's, something that is more, guaran- more guaranteed winning yeah. a set as opposed to winning the match outright.
1: You're right. And it's because we just get spoiled by the very best the Djokovic is the Alcaraz is fettered. And like we're assuming that everyone's just going to be able to climb that mountain that we've gotten accustomed and spoiled. We've already
3: seen the volatility of tennis all year long kind of just like take a slower progression into building your bankroll with something that uh has a lot more, a higher chance, a higher probability of working out.
1: There's so many matches where you can guarantee money either way before the match ends. Play both sides. So that's true. And speaking of Kenny's favorite thing in tennis right now, slices, Zico Kennan has won the first set, is in the driver's seat against Coco Goff, starting to find it there. And interestingly enough, the odds market for this live match, which is early stages second set, Coco's got that respect factor of, we kind of assume that or the, the betting, the bettors, the odds makers assume that she's going to figure a way out. Thoughts on this match, Kennan showing some flashes of that brilliance from a couple years ago up early. On Coco Golf.
2: Yeah, I mean, it looks like Kennan might go down a break in the second set, but I still think that, you know, if you told me you get plus 105 on Kennan up a set, I would take it. I just think that I'm not a huge believer in Golf's game. I think that the forehand is such a disaster. I think a, like a player like Kennan can take advantage of it. So I do like the price on her to win that match, especially yeah, up a set.
1: I mean, she's always going to compete, Kenny, when we look at these Coco Golf matches. There's breaks in the draw, there's players that can frustrate you. Kennan fits that mold to a T. She's someone that I don't know that I'd feel comfortable just going against her. But from the perspective of, you know, we're just going to assume she comes back from one set down. I'm not, I'm not all the way there yet. I'm not there that she's earned that Serena, even Ega, right? That we're just going to, you know, blindly bet her to come back.
4: Yeah. I mean, Kenan's a a very good player, right? I mean, obviously she, she won a grand slam, but also, you know, the the fact that she, she's almost like the female version of Jensen Brooksby on the women's side where she's just a relentless competitor. And, you know, she, she's, She's not as gifted, I would say, as Coco Goff is, right? Coco Goff obviously can overpower her opponents, especially on this surface, and and that's really how she announced her presence to the world, like three years ago or four years ago. Here, it's it, it been so long, and she's not even twenty yet. So I don't, I mean, I like to, I mean, what was she, fifteen? Anyway, sixteen. Yes. The bottom line is, uh, you know, she she's clearly more talented, but as you said, like the mental game here. Is so tough with Kennedy. and I, I. I look at the first serve percentage for Coco Gauch. She's serving at sixty percent. It's not really like she's had that bad of a match. She's winning, you know, seventy six percent of her, her points on her first serve, and she's still down, uh, you know, two a set, and it's about to be even at, at one game all here uh, in the mm-hmm. in the second set early. So like, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else she can do, and I think that the mental war of attrition here, she's still not experienced enough yeah. uh, to really win it. We saw last year at the U.S. Open um you know she was really looking good and then just hit kind of a wall uh once the matches start to get a little harder um so it, you know it's obviously growing pains and it's something that she'll figure out to you know how to correct but yeah i mean when you face a, a player that's just so ferocious uh yeah. like sophie kennan and and like you know when she's actually feeling it and she can play on a surface like this this so sort of does tailor better to her game you know it, it's look out and i think coco goff is certainly feeling it right now she's got to be on her heels
0: Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Yeah,
1: and the draw is huge. We know that, right? If if Coco can get by Kennan in this tricky matchup, maybe that gets her confidence and, and you know, Iga in that sense, eco. just to add to her, she wins her first match against Zu in straight sets. And that's essentially as hard a match as she could have got the 33rd or 34th ranked player in the world. On the other side of Sabalenka and Rabacchina, so good things there. Uh, Pam, as we as we switch to the men's side for a second here, I do want to mention it was Novak Djokovic's start, his title defense. He played, he stopped, he helped to dry off the court. He wins in three sets. So ho hum to be expected. But thoughts on Novak starting his campaign for three straight slams and what you're, I guess, hoping to see from him in these early matches.
3: Let's do, oh, in the early matches. I'll say for 2023, let's go, calendar slam. I have been waiting as a fan. People always forget. I'm a fan first before I'm a sports better when it comes to tennis, at least. What I'm expecting from Djokovic early in these matches. I know that we want to talk about how he likes to start slow and he kind of progresses his way into it. Hard court surface, absolutely. Clay court surface, absolutely. Grass, different beast. It's so easy for him. Not a lot of players are going to have the weaponry to combat against him. So I do expect a lot of straight set victories coming uh, into his Back into his side of the draw until maybe even maybe even the quarters like I don't expect him to drop a set here he is one he is the best returner in the world um for a reason especially on grass because he is the best counter puncher on not on tour but potentially of all time so I expect him to have an easy breezy path into the final um it's Djokovic on grass easy breezy what
1: was was the stat you shared what was the stat you just shared on twitter I don't even want to paraphrase it
4: the set oh no, the, the stat. stat oh my goodness yeah yeah uh Z- zico uh compared it to the roman reigns's tyler which I, I thought was <laughs> after yes uh i saw this on reddit but it was a screenshot from the the wimbledon world feed where he it had been at the time he was serving and i believe the second set uh 2182 days 19 hours and 57 minutes since he had last lost at wimbledon so that's like, probably yeah, yeah. At 21 hours but yes, I mean, and that, and that's the thing, Pam, like, you know, we talked so much leading up to this tournament about, uh, about the draw and where Djokovic stood. And, you know, honestly, like I, I would have made him a minus 200 favorite to win this tournament just because the, really the only competition in his way is Carlos Alcaraz. And he's so improving yes. on this surface and he's been flipping and sliding and, you know, he'll win Wimbledon, sure, because he just, I mean, he hits the ball harder than anybody in the world, but You know this is a this is a surface that like Carlos loves to dig his heels in, exploit his opponent's weaknesses and rallies. Like you just can't really do that here. Djokovic is the best in the world by far. Four years running on this surface, and with no Barrett with an injured Berrettini, with no Kyrgios, with no Rafa, with no Roger. I mean Andy Murray with his you know steel hip like I, you know I aluminum hip, whatever it's made of like I just don't know you know who really steps to this guy yeah. and uh, that's why it's it's more fun to like look at the the microcosms of the I'm going to steal this opportunity to say look at the quarters for I think some I more yeah. more compelling stories a guy like Corintin Moutet could Corintin Moutet win this quarter he absolutely could absolutely he's on the right half of it he's that on the quarter, yeah that's the right <laughs> half he, he's, he looked really good yesterday, today against, uh, you know, Richard Gasquet. That This is my favorite. I think there's like six players that could come out, seven really, that could come out of this quarter. And I think that's more of what Wimbledon's going to be this year on the men's side. It's like, okay, right. well, who can be a first-time semifinalist? Because we'll at least get at least one. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it could be. We could have a repeat semifinalist, a homegrown kid, and well, not really homegrown, but you know, Cam Norrie, who's British. Uh, you know, there's there's plenty of good stories that could develop here, but I do think that the the overwhelming story is going to be, wow, Novak Djokovic is way better than everyone else at grass court tennis.
1: Yeah, you he just, really is, though. You just have to, uh, Zico. You just have to acknowledge him. That's just all you can say. And uh, hey, by
4: the by the way, I'm the only one who wore white today where where's the white it's Wimbledon you can't be wearing a black shirt uh, Pam's got gray on Mitch has it looks like he's got to do a business lunch I'm the I, only one who brought the white here I thought maybe we could I all got, wear white
3: I spent four days in Nashville for a girls trip and oh I just God. got home about an hour ago so cut me some slack
4: yeah white t-shirt I'm, Come I'm on. So next, next show we all gotta wear white <laughs> ridiculous uh, we have a dress code I'm gonna for
3: wear reason. no I had missed another opportunity to wear my Novak shirt so from here on out it is Novak season Djokovic season no. it is only Djokovic shirts from here on out
2: See,
4: all right all so- right no a minus 160 yeah. on my shirt next time because that's <laughs> I, I got that a lot of money on that so
1: so b- before we get to the quarter set I do want to open this up Alcaraz the clear number two deservedly so what value do you guys put into the odd, uh, the number that he's at? Because we're all, I mean, I think everyone here is saying the same thing. Clear number two, no questions asked, but also a gap between one and two. So, well, Pam, I guess we can start there. I'm Where so ready we, for this yeah. because
3: Go first ahead. off, see. I took Djokovic. I tweeted it out to the world. You take Djokovic right now. The second that he won for the French Open, you grabbed Djokovic at plus 110. Easiest bet you can make of your life. Then pre-tournament, he went up to minus 160. I wouldn't. Na- I I wouldn't say that because I actually did say it. You be you. Uh, you are now at a larger risk taking Djokovic at minus 155 than compared to the 110. Not just because of the price, but because of Argeras. He is potentially developing his enough skill set to be a legitimate possible threat. There is a period where a Nadal. Was struggling against roger federer lost in straight sets lost in four sets lost in five sets and then he won but he look how long it took for him to v- develop that set we saw carlos Alcaraz in one tournament completely just adapt his game into a grass court player so his pl- price at plus 350 pre-tournament being the second favorite i believe has holds so much merit he's much better in his so- shot selection he has better point management Granted, it is a very small sample size at Queens Club, but he improved on his serve largely in one tournament at Queens. We saw him go bigger on his serves when he needed to. In the second set at Queens in, in the final, he had eight straight serve points one won against, uh, via unreturnables. That was like a big time serving. He recognized the moment. He knew that he needed to up his level, and he was able to execute on that. So yeah. I'm super excited for Wimbledon because, yes, it, we could potentially see Djokovic versus Carlitos. That's going to be an amazing matchup because this is the best of five. The keen counterpuncher in Djokovic on his best surface. It's going to be a huge mental battle. Yes, I still largely give the favorite odds to Djokovic. But Arkras, I am super impressed with what I saw from him. Develop so quickly.
1: Well, I guess what I'm – and I and I get that. But I guess what I'm asking for is if he's 350 to win the tournament, would there be better value in – betting him to make the final? Or do you just bet, the, well, bet that number and then hedge if he gets there or Djokovic, something happens and, you know, you're looking good. Kenny, raise your I hand. Was I was
2: pointing at Zico because he's, he's yeah, ready yeah to say something. <laughs> okay. my, my problem with taking Alcaraz before the tournament is that I think that if he were to get to the final against Djokovic, you might get like plus 230, plus 240 on him. That's and amazing. I just think that there, so much could go wrong on the way there that I would just rather yeah. wait. I did like Alcaraz before the tournament, probably a little more than all of you guys did. I think that, I don't know, I, I thought that what happened at the French Open was a little bit of a fluke. So I think that, yeah, I just think that he has a really good chance of winning this tournament. I just think that the price you're going to get in the final isn't going to make you regret not taking it before the tournament.
4: I, I totally um, agree that uh, that a lot could go wrong here. and I But I also think, like, Pam is right that it holds merit. Like, Alcaraz should be. Uh, the second most likely player to win, right? He should be around plus 400, plus 450, whatever. Uh, but at this price, like there is no value. I don't think there's any value. Uh, I think if he were closer to plus 1,000, there would be plenty of value there at 10 to 1. But like, this is a guy that I see a really difficult road, frankly, uh, for a guy that's still, I mean, he he did win Queens and it was impressive, but he's still trying to figure out how to play on this surface against some of the world's best. Like, it's one thing if you could beat Grigor Dimitrov, but, I mean, look, I could see Nikola Jari beating him or taking at least a set off him. He did on clay, right? Uh, you could certainly see Zverev with his powerful game. He's played a lot more grass court tennis than Carlos. He's beaten them before. Uh, he's going to come into this one with a lot of confidence if they do meet on grass, considering he knows he has ju- he can hit just as big of a ball. You've obviously got a guy like Francis Tiafo hits a huge ball, Holger Rune on the other half of this draw. Like I, I think if we're talking about the draw, I didn't even mention Alex Diminor. I didn't even mention, uh, you know, it, it, some of the other guys here that could certainly hurt him. I, I, and Batera, he heard the the Other sides, sides, this, sides. this is a loaded draw. This is a loaded quarter. Like, to, so Carlos, especially, he's like minus, I think he's minus 165 to come out of this quarter. That mm. to me is outrageous. And that's where yeah. I draw the line where I say, well, there's simply no value because I, I no. would not say it's more, I think it's about a coin flip or maybe about a 55 to 60% chance that he comes out of this this draw, just given the all the names. There is any one of those guys I just mentioned could get hot and we've seen them win on grass before they could easily beat Carlos. So I think it's going to be a tough road to the, to the semis for him.
3: Minus Minus one sixty five for Alcaraz to win his quarter at the French open. hundred percent. I take that with confidence. Exactly, yeah. Doing that yeah, on Wimbledon. Yeah, yeah, a lot can happen. And now, especially since we don't know, you don't have as much playtime time. uh, yeah. Time on court as you would on a clay court surface, but still, we do know that his body is susceptible. And any yeah. any given day, there's rain in the forecast. Um, how is that humidity going to affect his full body cramping that he's coming back from? Yeah. And Pam, you the-
1: mentioned you mentioned Nadal that growth. I mean, that was incredible growth. That was also three it full years. Incredible year.
3: growth. You yeah, know, and yeah.
1: that's we're not there yet. So and
4: listen, and and let's just like Ugo Umber, is like he was 2021's hottest grass court player, right? Jari, Zverev, Berrettini, Sanogo, Dimitrov, Tiafoe. I mean, wound. I think I think it's you're quarter. I think
3: you're rightfully naming all the players that could potentially threaten Alcaraz, but I would not say threaten to the point of loss. I would yeah. say threaten to maybe, maybe. Going that's, five sets. That's because cool. I'm, that's, I'm not saying he
4: has, all, not saying even no, Wu would beat about, Carlos Alcaraz. But what I am Weapons
3: that are necessary to excel on grass. He's already has all of those weapons. He has the slice. He has the drop shot. He has a kick. So he has a solid serve. A big serve that he's improving on week after week. He has all of the ankle shots. And plus he has his speed. Like he has all of the weapons needed to win Wimbledon. It's just a matter of um. When and not if I said that in
4: that. one of my previews. I, I do think he's going to win many Wimbledon's cause he does sock the ball. But I, mm-hmm. I mean, and like I said, I don't think that like Ugo and is going to beat Carlos. Alc- I just think it's a comical amount of names in this draw in this quarter specifically. And like we, Barrett, he just case. gets lost cause he's unseated, but like he was the second best grass court player in the world for multiple years until he got hurt this year. Yeah. Like that's what I'm like, this is just the most ridiculous quarter. And to have him as a as a prohibitive favorite at minus one sixty five, considering he's played like seven grass court matches in his life, is
1: outrageous.
3: Right.
4: Anyway.
1: Yeah, we're gonna move get on, to the, the <laughs> we're gonna get to the portion of the show where Kenny just names every player in the draw, but that that'll be coming down the road.
4: I <laughs> basically just did.
1: <laughs> yeah, more, more tennis bets. Pamela Maldonado, Zachary Cohn, Kenny Doocy, Mitch Michaels here. We're also available on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Want to point out it is final. Michael Mo defeats Felix, so that match. Goes down. Michael Moe, the American, moves on. Props to him. I want to get into some picks for later today and also mostly tomorrow. But, Zico, I want to start going with you first. And uh, we'll go with the underdog. I want to put this one up here first. You like Arthur Fees over Davidovich Fokina at plus 115. What's the reasoning on that one?
2: Yeah, I mean, Davidovich Vokina beat him at the French Open, but I think that Davidovich Vokina's game is not as good of a fit for grass court tennis. I don't think I really believe in his ability to serve. Meanwhile, I think the fees is like a really powerful player as an all-around game. I just think that his play on the quicker surface Mm -hmm. is going to give Davidovich Vokina some trouble.
1: I like it. We're getting the specialty surface. I mean, you're the surface guy, so we got to take that into account. And I do think there's some truth to the fact that some of these lines... And he was met- mentioning with his etch-a-sketch, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a little earlier that some I, of these lines this, are played by surfaces.
4: This is a line that I actually, I, 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 I could see either guy winning here. And I know that's a cop out, but like, I, this is one of the few matches where I just have no interest in betting because Fakina, you know, we talk about it with Tommy Paul French Open. This is the meme for Wimbledon as Fikina was the boys champion at Wimbledon. Don't never forget it. Uh, he did beat Hubert Herkatz here last year. He's a good grass court player. But I just think in general, I agree with I, I disagree with Zico that he's not a good grass score player, but I agree with Zico that he's not a good player in general. Like I don't think he's good at tennis. <laughs> I think he his mental his, his, his like he his shot selection has just been awful throughout his entire career. He's not matured, he's not gotten better. And I think Feast is going to have a better career than Fakina and he will lap him mm. multiple times over. With that said, I, I'm i just I don't know. Like I
3: don't
4: I, I don't know what to say here. Like I love firing Arthur off Fuse.
3: the hot takes. I mean, you
4: could say what? not a hot all take. It, no, Arthur Feast is with really good. And he's he's a way better player. And he's also a much stronger player mentally, despite the fact that he's like four years younger. He's a I love him. He's rock steady mm-hmm. out there. Um, you know, but this is a new surface for him. We've saw Luca Van Asha have success on on grass, even though he's never played. It's like I'm not saying he's not going to win this match, and I I kind of do feel like that's the bet I would make if I was betting this match. I'm just a little nervous. I'm going to wait and see how that match starts off because Fakina oh. every year at Wimbledon always plays well, and we never we never expect it, you know. But this is like the this is like two out or one. He's not going to make the second week, God no. This is like one out of the three weeks of the year Fakina will play well, and uh, there's usually one random clay court event, this one, and then probably like a late season. Indoor or outdoor hardcore event where no one cares and he just like goes to the final, uh, you know, or like an early season one in like Montpellier. Like, I've no, you never know when he's going to play well, but I do feel like he usually finds some sort of success on grass every year. So I don't I know remember, what's going to
1: happen. Do you remember how he lost last year in Wimbledon? Does anybody remember that? Oh, match? yeah.
4: And that was the, uh, he got the code violation in the tiebreak, right? Uh, that's that's like nine, 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 eight in the tiebreak. It was like a good tiebreak, too. I Seriously. don't know who he Who did he lose to, though? I Wesley, forget.
1: Wesley. Wesley. Dude. Oh, yeah. Really.
4: The yeah. Eri Vesely renaissance last year was hey. uh, was a big story.
1: It was. Hey, speaking of, of renaissances or one, potential ones, Pam, you got a pick that I would, we were on the same wavelength for. I think it's good value for uh, a returning yeah. serve bot. Milos at minus 130 over Novak.
3: Serve bot, old man. Let's go. Milos Roundage, 130 over Dennis Novak. I mean... He, we're talking about the Canadian. He's so good. He's so back. I'm gonna say that he's back, even though he's been out of injury, out for out of tour for two years. But we saw him defeat uh, Miramich Ketchmanovic in straight sets at the Libema Open. That was his first tour. That was his first tour victory since March of 2021 in Miami. That was his first grass court victory since 2019 Wimbledon. But he is called he's part of the he is officially even though he's been out for a while still team serve bot he has one of the biggest serves on tour back then especially i mean huge serve powerful forehand and we did see him withdraw from queen's club so Mm -hmm. injury does come into a, a factor here a potential injury that maybe he's still trying to recover from but i think in my opinion like watching him win in straight sets that's great for his confidence this is fast court that we talked about you don't require a lot of lead up in order to find your groove he's still one of the biggest serves on tour he looked perfectly fine in his in that first match um i have confidence that he is still the big powerful server that we know him to be and dennis novak if you look at his entire history of not just 2023 but his matches he has not played against a big time surfer server especially on a faster service this. So I think we're getting a huge discounted price of minus 130 on Roundage simply because he has been out of the game for a while. But otherwise, I would put him easily at above a minus 200 favorite. <laughs>
1: It's good. I like it. And uh, former Wimbledon finalist. I know it's crazy. No one younger than Novak Djokovic has actually won this tournament. So we have to find some youth in this draw, but Milos going with old reliable. Nope, is I, I like
4: that pick quite a bit. I'm, I'm on Milos as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm obviously a little concerned that he had to pull out of Queens, but Dennis Novak is, I mean, if you've watched, if mean, Dennis Novak is a failed Austrian tennis prospect. He's not good. Uh, we <laughs> thought he might be, he did crack the top 100 like three or four years ago, but uh he's he's nowhere near the same player that he was a, a few years ago. He had a nice he, he's on, been on the comeback trail this year. He dealt with a, an unfortunate injury that he suffered uh on the Challenger tour, but I still don't think that he's going to be able to compete with Roundach huh. here uh who's I think this is his last tournament. Is this his last tournament ever or maybe this is last Wimbledon ever? Regardless, he's leaving. It
2: was it unclear.
3: It's I'm unclear. Out. I don't think yeah. he what I, uh, that- nobody knows. <laughs> I'd
1: like to just uh Mr. And Mrs. Novak, apologize for for what Kenny just said about your son there. But, uh,
4: <laughs> no, you should really apologize to Dominic Team, who's his best friend. Hey, for, hey for that's document.
1: good. We'll segue in because we'll do we'll do uh, something here to kind of you know bring everyone together because I know we got a lot of Team fans on this panel. Kenny, you like Team plus five and a half against Sitzapas. So why do you like Dominic Team here in this setting for minus one twenty against that certified lover boy? What's the point? Here? <laughs>
4: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that it's very obvious at this point that Stefano Sitsipas is uh, is all out of whack. Uh, he's he's he lost to Dusan Livic at a, an exhibition and I know that it's an exhibition, but it's Dusan Livic. And it's also a tournament where Sitsipas like I, I he I mean he he just did not look good in that match and he's he needs wins like he is one of the most out of form players in the world right now after losing to that quarterfinal to 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 Carlos Alcaraz and just didn't even show up for the match. Uh, since then he's lost now three of or excuse me yeah three of his last five matches and he was never a good player on grass to begin with if you remember he he made some strides he had a great season last year on grass he had that epic clash with Nick Kyrgios in Hala before they had that match at the at Wimbledon and frankly the fact that Boss took a set off of Kyrgios I thought was very impressive because uh, Nick was you know Nick is a top three grass player in the world one healthy so anyway all that said this has never been a surface that's been good for him he finally figured it out last year but also that was in the middle of like a great run like he finally came back to being like a top 10 player um, he is he is struggling off of grass and and he was struggling on a hard court and on a clay court this year and now he, t- he faces a guy in Dominic Team who we know for knew for years that Dominic team was a good player on on clay, and the question was like, okay, when's he going to get good at the other surfaces? Since his comeback, we've documented this on the show. I think Gruskin's talked about it. Zico and I and, and Pam we've all talked about it. How he's not been good on clay. He's been much better on the faster surfaces because he's been trying to rely a little bit more on his huge forehand, his serve, and shortened points because. He's just not the same player he was. And also, he can slice the heck out of the ball. He loves to slice that backhand. I, I just think that Dominic Team, a guy who comes in with a six and four all time record against Stefano Sitsipas, I don't really care that he's out of form because you know what? Sitsipas is out of form. And one of these guys is going to step on the court and just find immediate success that they have not found in a while. And I think it's going to be Team because he got nothing to lose. He's going to go for broke. Sitsipas' head is all over the place right now. He's playing awful tennis but he's never had success on grass. And again, that's what I keep coming back to is that he had one good season on grass last year. And that was again, when he was looking like a much different player, more motivated, more confident is, he's, is he's, he's all over the place right now. So I think team covers, I think team probably wins. And I think Sitsipas maybe goes wow. into hibernation after the, his first round or second round exit.
1: Pam, I know Pam, I know you're a, a team fan as well. And uh, I, I totally agree with all Kenny's reasons for poking holes and Sitsipas's potential yeah. here, but We have been waiting a while for team to put it together. And I know the spread game is the safer bet, but we'll Uh, see. I mean, this is, this is an opportunity for team, but it's also one we have, like I said, been waiting on and it hasn't happened yet.
3: um, Unfortunately, I can't agree with this wager. Not because I don't agree with these, all the points that you made. Fantastic. Fully agree. But for me, when I'm taking a tennis wager, I'm always more so looking for a play on rather than a play against. And for me, it's a play against Tsitsipas rather than a play on team because you mentioned it. I We haven't really seen everything we know that he can be come to fruition. He just hasn't executed in – I mean, losing Zverev – I mean, I'm not at all putting Zverev in the same class right now as Tsitsipas on grass, but I saw that match and I was just like, well – there could have been more. <laughs> it's yeah. Just, yeah. Well, I just feel like uh, I'm not ready yet to be putting my money on team. I've kind of given up on that boat for mm-hmm. now. I'm more so of just like a fan. Like I hope to see it, but I'm not, I'm losing my confidence week after week. I'm especially like when it comes to this many matches, I'd rather look for players that we know have a good grass course history. We know have a big serve weapon instead of, well, they're playing somebody who's kind of in an if mode right now. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, winner of this match takes on uh, pr- most likely looks like Andy Murray if he comes through his first round match. So it's a pretty loaded first uh, little mini section there. All right, let's get more confrontational. Zico and Kenny head-to-head on a bet in a match that just started. Quentin Holley's taking on Dan Evans. I don't think I have to tell listeners and viewers of this show who's on which side, but <laughs> Zico. Going against Dan Evans, going with Hollys, What's the what's the logic there? And uh, I think we're in the third game, so how are we feeling early?
2: I mean, I am an Evans guy, not as big as Kenny, but I am an Evans guy. I just think that he's been so bad this season, and his serve is a disaster. So I kind of just thought that Helis would get by just based on the fact that he's holding it like 89% this year. I think his serve is going to be really hard to get back in this match. I wrote in my story on it on VSIM.com that Evans is probably going to maybe win a set because the crowd's going to be urging him on, but I don't think he has enough to get by.
4: Well, here's what's at stake here, Zico. Dan Evans, can you tell me the last time Dan Evans had a losing record on grass in a season? Just guess. I can't. 20, 2014.
2: 2014.
4: <laughs> Dan Evans has not had a losing record on grass since 2014. He's had some some tough seasons in, in the middle, and he still managed to win on grass. He was 6-3 and three on grass last year, 6-3 and three on grass the year before. He's a good grass court player. And once again, I, I, I will reiterate, that on this surface form sometimes can matter in a positive way when you're when it's a bet-on player, as Pam was saying. But I don't necessarily think if there's a guy that we've seen for like 10 to 15 years be good on grass, and we know he has a, a game tailored towards grass court tennis, towards lawn tennis. Uh, Dan Evans with the serve and volley, the slice. The, I mean, he, he's, he's a great, great player on this surface, and he's going to have the crowd behind him. Um, I, I, we've seen him do very well at Wimbledon before, and I just don't think this is a match. I I get the logic here. Quentin Halas has a huge serve. Uh, he is he is like a more tolerable Maxime Cressy uh, in in my opinion. But I I in terms of just watching him play tennis. But I just think Dan Evans is going to figure it out. Um, you know, again, this is it, it's been way too long since he won matches. Um, I, you know, I, I it, the, the problem is there's not like a really good reason because he just we haven't seen him play well. You know, really <laughs> since clay season, right? Uh, but I you know his game is so good here. He <laughs> plays well here. That's about all I can say. And Quentin nollis is going to be tough to problem solve. But, like, Dan Evans is a smart tennis player. Quentin nollis I would not say, is a smart tennis player. I think he can win the mental war of attrition here, out-scheme him, and win this match. Because if you watch Dan Evans play, and that's always a striking thing, you, you, don't th- like you, don't, you don't understand how he wins any matches. Like, he doesn't have any weapons. He doesn't, but he just knows how to win tennis matches. He knows how to out-scheme his opponents. And that's one thing that Quentin nollis doesn't do. He sees ball, hits ball hard, and that's about all he does. So I think
2: Evans wins this match.
1: Pam, do you want yeah, to bring it? was less tie? about.
2: Oh, sorry. No, <laughs> I I hear from Zeke. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> it was less about grass court form and more just what we've seen from him this entire season. Like I just feel like he hasn't looked anything like he did last year. No, I agree. I agree. I, I agree is- with
3: that, and I think it's the same kind of logic that I use within like the PGA. We a lot of people like to say horses for courses. Just because you've done well at a golf course <laughs> previously doesn't mean you're going to come back and show up. Like your recent form doesn't at all indicate that you're going to do well. So I'm yeah,
4: I'm more on. But- the-
3: I would I would say it's all mental
4: with him. He's spoke. He's
3: been outspoken about how he,
4: he's 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 in a, a you know a fog right now. He just doesn't he doesn't believe in his tennis, all that stuff. But that's that's sort of why I like this spot for him because we know so that's why I bet this, on him
3: if he's saying because if he, he's telling because you this don't mind. bet on me. I'm going through a mental <laughs> challenge right now
4: <laughs> because he's not going to never nope. win a match again is the point. And he's and this is the most likely outcome for him is to win a match here, uh, given his history here, given the fact that. You know, again, because it's all, its not physical, right? It's not like he, he doesn't possess the skills to play well. He just needs to be in the right headspace, and this, this is, is going to get him in the right of what headspace I was for sure. About
3: earlier, like people need to start practicing more conservative betting. You have a player who is verbally telling you, "I'm not in a good headspace." So, at me as a sports well, better. I know where you should be, where you're going, where you're most, you're likely the better competitor. Yes, you should be the favorite or you're an underdog. What? You're the better basketball player. But I'm mm -hmm. not going to put my money on you because you're just not in a good spot right now. We have 100 matches going on in the next two days alone and then two weeks of tennis. Find a better spot. Things that are 50-50, back off on. Um,
4: Well, Um, well, I won't be backing off on it. I have a lot of money (laughs) on Dan Evans today. And I would also (laughs) like to say, Dan, you could have, you can make that argument about a lot of things, and I, I'm not saying you're I'm not saying I'm going to be right, and I'm also not saying you don't have sound logic here, or Zico for that matter. I'm saying in in my defense, my own defense, you could say that about so many players who have dream runs. You could have said that about Dan Evans on clay when he beat Novak Djokovic, went to the semifinals of Monte Carlo. Oh, he's never won on clay before, and then all of a sudden, boom, he won on clay. Same thing with Cam Nori. Same thing with Daniil Medvedev on clay. I know those are three examples of guys winning on clay, but last year Tommy Paul, Tommy Paul saying, oh, I, I don't really uh, Philip Kronovich, like two guys that have been outspoken uh. about they haven't been good on grass, they've never really but trained on also, grass, and then boom, also, all I of think a sudden they it clicks.
3: One step further, you're talking about players who have admittedly, oh, I don't do well. That's all pre-tournament, but there is a thing called momentum. So you see a player who kind of like wins some wins in straight sets, they're on a two-stretch run, they're on a three-stretch run. Okay, this guy has clearly built on momentum. Now I am betting on that to continue into the fireball effect and the snowball effect. So, I mean, that there's a difference between yeah. pre-tournament – and then like, what is actually being I'm come just to
1: We all believe in momentum because that's pretty cool. And fireball effect is what i also using now. I, so, also so. Just,
4: I, I would also put a, to put a bow on it. I rarely put stock into, into things players say, because that is the, I, I think that is the most available information. And oddsmakers take that into account. So oddsmakers are already factoring in that Dan Evans is saying that he's, he's not believing in his tennis or whatever oddsmakers already factor in when Bublik, Alexander Bublik comes out and says, I don't like playing tennis. I play it for money. (laughs) When Daniel, when people are outspoken (laughs) about not liking surfaces,
2: Chris
4: Chris Ebanks was the, was said, Oh, I don't like to play on grass court tennis. And he won a title. Like, So the whole thing is you have to identify the price and you have to know what goes into the lines. And I think that's all been accounted for. So I think this is a very good buy low spot on a guy that if you were in form would be much, much deeper to win this match.
1: Rafa always gases up his opponents and and just destroys them too. So I kind of get what you're saying there. I did have one quick pick of my own. I wanted to get to Zico as kind of Pam's betting on. I got Andreva to cover two and a half games uh, against Wang at uh, minus 130. I think she's on the ascent. and I think she wins that match comfortably. Uh, I don't know if we got a read on the women's. I was looking at the first round and there's just a lot of lopsided lines. I was thinking about sprinkling on some underdogs, but decided to go with uh, someone, the young, instead of old reliable, it's young reliable in this case.
2: I like that play. No, because I, I looked at the same thing and I didn't end up taking any women's matches tomorrow. I just thought that the lines were too lopsided. But yeah, I do like Andreva. I didn't want to play it at minus 170. So maybe I'll tell on the minus two and a half.
1: Last thing I wanted to get to on this show, uh, the quarterfinal talks we had the, the open quarter which is I guess the Med- Medvedev quarter. He's been playing solid, not sure where he's at. Kenny and Pam both finding common ground on Korda at maybe potential value in the plus 410 range to win that no, quarter. No,
4: no, 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 not going to allow that after what happened last time we were on the air when when Pam laughed in my face that Sebastian Korda was not only a good grass court player but a good player in general. So if I can veto that pick He's and, to, and put on. the money back into our oh. betting account. I would can we do just
1: that. Can, can we just also say that just because you're not as good as Carlos Alcaraz doesn't mean you're not a good player? Can I just squash that immediately right now? Cuz I, I think, would yeah, think, yes, absolutely. I think
3: based off of his draw he has a great chance. Korda has a great chance at what do we what do we say 4 to 1 to potentially come out of the victory? Mm-hmm. Yes, purely because uh his draw, like if he was in any of the other draws, I would probably be less interested. And actually, because the matches are going on now, we only had the option of looking at the the, the, the draw, the the two quarters I that have you- to take off.
2: Yeah. Is great so by
3: default, much. I had to go with Corda, and I even told Mitch, this is not a wager for me, but if we have to talk about it, I guess I will go Corda.
4: <laughs> I I actually was going to say I don't like his draw that much. Uh, I think Yuri Vestley is a tough first round, and I think uh, mm-hmm. O'Connell I is going to be tough as well, but uh, or, you know, or or Eubanks even if he comes out of that little mini mini part of the draw, but uh, I the reason I like both of these guys is cuz they're going to meet in, in in all likelihood in the third round, and I think the winner of their third round match wins the draw or wins the quarter. Uh, I think Cam Norrie, a semifinalist here a year ago, I am shocked and frankly appalled at the, the odds here. Like I, I don't understand why more people aren't aren't liking uh, Cam Norrie, considering he's in a quarter with Daniel Medvedev, who's been losing on grass a lot. Uh, Tsefino Tsitsipas, who's, I mean, I think could easily lose tomorrow to Dominic Thiem. Those are the two top seeds here. Tommy Paul had a great Wimbledon last year, but has, you know, he's still not a player that's, really proven that he's going to be better than cam Norrie or sebastian corda on a grass court i think the draw broke right for both of them i just think it's unfortunate that they're both going to have to face each other in the third round but like i said i think those are the two best players in this quarter in my humble and honest and always correct opinion and i I do think that that marino can make noise as well but if adrian manarino makes the quarterfinals of wimbledon and faces cam Norrie in front of that crowd or even sebastian corda in front of that crowd they'll be behind corda both, either one of those guys wins. So I think you these bets and you win money.
3: Why I'm defaulting into Korda is because I think if he can get past, not I think if he if Korda does get past Yuri Vesely, he is a wild card. Vesely can show up. He's, the, he's one of the few players who has a perfect record against Novak Djokovic. But, I mean, Vesely himself has that slice game. He has that big serve. He has the serve in volley. Korda, what I don't like about him, why I said he has a good opportunity here is simply because of his draw layout. If he gets past Vesely, he should have a clear cut runs and like, do well and run deep. But what I don't like about him is that coming into the, what was his last tournament? Queens Club. When you saw him against Evans, Against Tiafo against norim he had the exact game plan for how you do well on grass. Serve, volley, get to the net, quick points. And then all of a sudden, against Carlos Acaraz playing from the baseline, completely clammed up. I was on I was on quarter to do well, and maybe not win, but to at least contend. I mean it's like a competitive matchup. And I happens. know that it is Carlos Acaras, but it was like you completely went away from you what you know you should be doing. And that mental mindset, I don't like that. And it's not for, like, a, to win a quarter bet. Because I need to see com- some consistency from him on his game plan. And what, what we saw was two different sets.
1: Well, we'll see how it shakes out. Pleasure uh, talking tennis. We're going to have another show at the end of the week. There's just so much to talk about. And, and as a parting note, Taylor Fritz down two sets. The one is at plus 150 to start the fourth. Take with that, I like that. what you I like will. That a lot. Uh, Kenny Ducey. Zachary Cohen, Pamela Maldonado. It was a pleasure. Appreciate you guys coming out on a Monday, especially after a long weekend and at least one of our cases. So, Thanks everybody out there for listening as well. We're on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. On all your podcast platforms, you can catch the show on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, Tennis Bets as well. Thanks to producer Mike, Mike Haston for producing the show. Uh, Mitch Michaels will be back later in the week with more Wimbledon Talk. Good luck. Stay safe. Enjoy the tennis from the All England Club. This was Tennis Bets.